This junk is magic missiles. M-I-S-S-I-L-E-S. You heard him, or you will. The thoughts of the man who plays Reed IRL. Are spellcasters crap in 5e? What about prestige classes? So you think you can multi-class, class, class. Who's the better DM? An epic battle between old Ben and new Ben. Why Reed has asked to be a were-badger, and the DM said he will allow it. All that and more in this episode of Tavern Talk. Welcome to Tavern Talk. Hey there, guys. This is Koran Zilsant, High Elf Noble, and I play Reed in real life. I am here with our Season 1 review from my perspective, things that I've formed opinion on in 5e, and it was also mentioned to me that I can make comments on DMing and whatnot, so we may as well go ahead and do that as well. Um, we will start with 5e to begin with. Um... This has been mentioned numerous times throughout the course of the podcast, and I still hold to it. And my impression of 5e is that character customization is kind of lacking. So there's actually a lot of options that I like about 5e character creation. So that's not really the problem with character customization, in my opinion. It's really the character progression that really gets me. So in Pathfinder and 3.5, you had all these different character options, especially Pathfinder. Pathfinder offered so many different alternate class features that it made creating character really fun and prestige classes as well. The number of prestige classes that we had, especially at the later end of 3.5, was just phenomenal. You had so many options to make so many different characters, and there's just plain not enough in a 5. 5e for my in my opinion to kind of um explain what i mean like basically your most of your choices in 5e are at your uh third is it third level i think it's third level or fourth level decision point where you choose your path and then that's basically it like basically you have your base class and then after that point you end up with one uh, three different abilities than another guy that takes your class and that's basically the only different in your characters now obviously like your character personality can be different but it's one of those things like i feel in system development that the system should help facilitate translating character personality into usable mechanics because um fact of matters is that if you don't have mechanics for your character then it ceases being like a role-playing game and becomes more LARP. I mean, at that point, you may as well just go play a LARP because at least at that point, you're, you know, running around and actually hitting people with stuff. So that's my opinion. You know, if you if you don't have game mechanics to back up the role-playing, then you really don't need a system at all. You may as well just ad-lib it all. There's no point in buying a $50 rulebook. So that's that. More or less, opinion hasn't been sh- shifted since the uh, beginning of the season, which is a little unfortunate. It's one of those things. I don't mind being wrong so long as my being wrong leads to greater enjoyment for myself. So, there's that. 
Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is that I'm kind of feeling a little shafted as a wizard. Like, I love wizard. I've played a lot of wizards. And sitting there and looking at the differences between myself and Sam's warlock, uh, Notch, Stern, it's really like, sure, I have more spells during the first encounter, technically, than Notch Stern does. But the fact of the matter is, is that the short rest to get all your spells back is just ridiculous. Like, compared to my half a level worth of spell slots back, you know, okay, I'm fourth level, I can get one second level spell back. Or Notch Stern can get back all his second level and all his first level spells. You know, it's, uh, the short rest thing is kind of, like, not unreasonable, honestly. Like, if you think about this realistically, it's not, it's not metagaming. Like, if we're in a fight, you know, to the death, I'm pretty sure I'm going to take, like, a half an hour rest afterwards to recoup. Like, and <laughs> a short rest is really not a penalty in any way. And it makes perfectly logical sense story-wise. So, the short rest to regain all your spells kind of seems a bit, uh, a bit unreasonable. Unless, you know, everybody functioned that way. If everybody functioned that way, then... Sure, whatever. I'm actually quite alright with wizards and casters regaining all their spells in between encounters. Just because that makes DMing so much easier. It's one of those things, if a wizard has to use spells for reasons that you don't anticipate, and then all of a sudden he doesn't have those spells for a later encounter, then all of a sudden, like, you built this boss counter around the fact that your wizard, your party's wizard probably has his highest level spell left because he only was fighting goblins. So he can use that on the boss, but then he decided to fireball the <laughs> the goblins just to finish the encounter early. And you're like, well, crap, now he doesn't have that fireball for the boss, you know? So, honestly, it's one of those things. Spell slots has always been a little, you know, it's flavorful. It's just a little wonky, you know, and it makes DMing difficult. I think it would have been perfectly all right to have everybody function more or less like the warlock, if not just removing you know, spell slots all together and going with a different system. And, uh, those are my two main points on 5e. I will... So... I think I'm just going to move on to the DMing section because Ben mentioned that we could talk about, you know, how we felt about their DMing and give feedback that way. So, um, this is... You're not going to know this being a listener, but... This was actually a huge departure for Ben. Ben is actually a much more, uh, traditionally a much more spontaneous DM, which has always made his uh, campaigns pretty fun just because, you know, you had absolutely freedom to do anything you wanted without having to worry about wrecking anything because he can always amend it, you know? He doesn't have any problems, you know, fixing it later and coming up with good solutions to problems. So him having a story that's kind of stead in stone was a little bit different for him. And it's one of those things, uh, I don't think I really felt railroaded at any point, which is good. But at the same time, I kind of had a railroad road perception in my peripheral. Like I was constantly thinking about how Ben had this, you know, set story and I didn't really want to screw it up for him just because he doesn't put a lot of he normally doesn't put a lot of effort into DMing, but this time he actually put a lot of effort into, like, developing the storyline and making sure that he kept 
track of all the characters and what's going on and timelines and whatnot. So it's one of those things like I didn't want to cause any problems for him, which was, you know, probably affected my role playing a little bit. Um, I mean, on that note, like storylines are fine. Like there's nothing wrong with telling a story when you're DMing. You don't have to do it spontaneously, obviously. But, you know, my personal DMing method is just to have multiple paths, you know, for my storytelling. So I only plan like one or two quests or, you know, uh, lines ahead of the party. And then I don't go that much deeper into it. I'll generally develop, you know, what's going on in the greater world so that I have a context for all these things happening and I can sew everything together. But I generally try not to uh, have a specific storyline that I really want to have finished because it's one of those things if the uh, players decide they don't feel like pursuing that storyline, I'm kind of in the opinion that the uh, players trump the DM because there's more players and than there are DMs, obviously. And that's not to say that the DM, you know, has to be trampled on. Obviously, like I'm saying, I'm going out of my way to facilitate my DM. It's just, you know, I, I as a DM, like to make my players happy. So I shape my story paths around the player's decision, uh, possible player decision points, rather. So I have a more branching uh, story arc um on to pumpkin spice since we're more or less at the half point waypoint there and i was told uh pumpkin spice was also a an available target um i didn't actually know that this was an original story which i kind of wish i was never told that was the fact i actually was enjoying the story and finding out that it's not an original story eh, it's kind of irksome you know, it's not that big of a deal because I never actually played uh, Chrono Trigger, but so it's kind of nice to be able to experience that story without having played the video game. At the same time, you know, because it's D&D and D&D is really creative, I feel, you know, I uh, was a little put off finding that out. Again, like I said, the story's been going great and really enjoyable so far, so <laughs> it's kind of a shame I found out because otherwise... Um, everything would have just gone along smoothly for me, I guess, emotionally, you know? So, um, those are the, uh, talking points that I have down here. Um, looking forward to season two. Yeah, I guess I may as well, uh, talk about my anticipation for season two. Season two should be lots of fun, I think. Um, seeing how the story has gone, I'm going to be given a huge opportunity to develop Corian into honestly I think a little more of what I had wanted him to be so back to uh, Corian was set up to be kind of this warrior uh, he was set up to be a gish you know a warrior caster he's a caster because of his natural aptitudes but having grown up at the keep and seen met generals and whatnot and always uh, admired the soldiers and what have you, you know, he really had this longing to be a soldier or a general. So this becoming a were tiger kind of gives me that opportunity. 
Corian's biggest problem was always that he mechanically he was a dexterity based user because that felt more in line with his character being a little more uh, frail. Like I didn't want him being this big uh, buff uh, wizard. You know, there's a character type for that one. You know, probably would have made him orc in that case. I wanted him to be, you know, way out of his uh, comfort zone when trying to be a, when pursuing his personal goals. I didn't want it to come easy to him. And I haven't asked Ben what bonuses I get from being a were-tiger yet, but I imagine strength is one of them, which is going to help him out tremendously. Furthermore, um, again, this isn't something I mentioned to him, but I imagine that all of Corian's stuff, with the exception of I think he might have the rings on him, should be on the ground still, in which case he may have to actually pick up like a dagger or something from somewhere, a dagger or a short sword, in which case like he's going to be doing a lot better as a more fighty character until he gets his you know spellbook back and whatnot, which will be pretty cool because um, it's one of those things like having always... Uh, revered the longsword as being the knight's primary tool uh, giving him an opportunity to branch out and say wait a second I've kind of been using these longswords and have been shaping my you know personage around them but I probably should like get over my ego a little bit and just use what works you know so that's going to be fun and one thing that I'm looking forward to doing in 5e is multi-classing. Um, from what I've seen in the PHB, it's technically simpler because they cut out like base attack bonus. And the one thing that I really did like is that they did create a, um, a caveat for multi-spellcaster classes, uh, class combinations which I always felt was um, very helpful. It's one of those things, like, I've played probably... I think I might have played two of the Mystic Thurges, simply because they give you, you know, full spell progression on both your Divine and Arcane Caster classes. So having a lesser form of that, like I said, it's not uh, quite the same, but at least a bonus to that without having to take a Prestige class is really nice. Otherwise, you just kind of take everything that your class gives you with the exception of bonus attacks. Um, I believe it said unless you're a fighter because um, bonus attacks are really capped in this edition. I think we've gone over that before. But uh, basically, you get your extra attack ability and that's it. So, yeah, we, were, we went over this when we were talking about monks. The only question really is whether or not I want to go fighter or rogue i've been considering going rogue as my multi-class with corian just because th that's kind of how he's going to end up behaving for the next short while unless the group spontaneously takes him back in like he's going to have to keep out of sight and like not draw attention to himself since he's a were tiger now so a rogue would make sense but i kind of really wanted to multi-class either paladin or fighter just because that's Quarant's ideal and <laughs> frankly like uh, a were tiger paladin 
slash wizard kind of sounds pretty cool. It definitely, uh, again, I'm not sure in the future where this campaign is going exactly, so I can't say, you know, that he'll be a were-tiger forever, but the idea that he's secretly a were-tiger and ends up, hopefully in the future, becoming a great general, succeeding his father, that just seems like a really cool idea to me. So, we will see about that. For Pumpkin Spice, we haven't had too much going on recently. Like, it's pretty clear where the storyline is going. Um, can't think of anything I really want to do with Corellis Lass at this point. So, I guess I'm just going to look forward to uh, seeing where the story takes me, because that will hopefully give me new purpose and direction for Corellis Lass. Uh, from the beginning, he was just kind of this free spirit, and I mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but he's not supposed to be as, like, overbearing and don't do that, don't do that as he is. He really was supposed to be more chill and, you know, uh, passive, like, not passive, but, you know, kind of libertarian is how I had him imagined. So, it's one of those things, if the party could just stop being murderous and bloodlusty it would be great for Corel Celeste then he could really you know uh just enjoy the ride as he wanted to when he signed on and that more or less wraps me up so I'm going I would like to say thank you everybody for listening to the podcast up to this point look forward to season two awesome things that happened and like favorite subscribe all the stuff we normally tell you to do because probably unlike everybody else i'm going to remember to say that so uh i'll catch you guys in season two if uh assuming we don't do more bonus content over the break catch you guys later